So super excited to get uh, into the Word with you. But before we do, before we look at the Bible, I want to tell you a story about Edward Kimball. Does anybody know Edward Kimball? Well, that's surprising. Cindy's the only one. It's a most remarkable story, and I've got a picture of him. If you could put up the picture of Edward Kimball. Um, rest assured, most people have never heard of this guy. Kimball was a Sunday school teacher actually right here in Metro Detroit many decades ago. He prayed for the hyper-crazy boys in his Sunday school class, and he sought to personally lead every one of them to Jesus Christ. He decided that he would be intentional and personally present the gospel to these young men. There was one man in particular who didn't seem to get it. And uh, Edward Kimball had such a passion for souls that he went to this young man's place of employment, which was a shoe store. He would stock shoes. And Edward Kimball went and shared Jesus right there in that company with this young man. And that young man bent his knee before the Lord and accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior with his Sunday school teacher. And that young man's name was Dwight Moody. Now, that might not mean anything to you, but Dwight Moody became a great evangelist for the Lord. As a matter of fact, we have a college in Chicago named Moody Theological um, University. Does anybody know about that, about Moody's? Again, no surprise, Cindy knows. Um, and under Moody, another young man was touched by God, and his name was Wilbur Chapman. Now, Chapman isn't very well known, but he became an evangelist, and he met a young professional baseball player. And back in these days, baseball was everything. And this young man was talented athlete, professional baseball player. His name was Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday was radically transformed by the gospel through Chapman, he gave up his baseball career and became a full-time evangelist for Jesus Christ. Billy Sunday preached evangelistic crusades all over the United States of America. One young man that came to Jesus through Billy Sunday was Mordecai Ham. Now, again, a lot of people don't know Mordecai Ham. He had a very unorthodox style of evangelism. He would go into cities and he would drive a hearse. Now, you know what a hearse is, right? A hearse carries the dead person. And he would go through basically showing people, you're all going to end up here one day. Come hear me preach and get prepared. And so he would go through town, and he went through a town called Raleigh, North Carolina. Or I'm sorry, it was Charlotte. Charlotte, North Carolina. He drove his uh, hearse, and Mordecai Ham announced, we're going to have evangelistic crusades. And these young teenage boys were making fun of him. You know, evangelist, whatever. And they said, well, let's just go anyway to check it out. So they went. One man in particular, a uh, southern boy named Billy Frank, was there. And most of the boys didn't really listen to this guy. But Billy Frank was uh, really uh, tuned in to Mordecai Ham's message. Billy Frank said, I'll come again. So he went back to Mordecai Ham's evangelistic crusade. And on that special and powerful night, Billy Frank gave his heart to Jesus. Now, Billy Frank eventually became known as Billy Graham. And if you could show the screen. Billy Graham died before most of you were born or you were very little. But this man was used by Jesus in tremendous ways. I remember him as a little boy um, praying for presidents. Um, he, 
everyone, you remember that, the, the presidents, he was the pastor of presidents. They would have him come into the Oval Office and he would kneel and pray for them. He preached the gospel to two billion souls. Two billion souls through radio back in his day and then TV. And when internet came out, I remember he said, let's use the internet. Um, now, this fascinating chain of events was triggered by a Sunday school teacher. Did you get that? Edward Kimball. He's the man that set in motion this entire sequence of events that led to the conversion of Billy Graham. And the next time you're tempted to give up as a core leader and you think, well, am I really being effective? You know, I'm working hard. We're doing parties. We're doing outreach. I want you to keep faith. You never know who you're touching for Jesus. You have no idea. Edward Kimball could have never known. He probably never even personally met Billy Graham. But through his ministry, it led to Billy Graham preaching, and millions and millions came to faith in Christ. You know, in the church, and I don't mean H2O when I say the church, but the church around the world, very often we tend to celebrate the really well-known evangelists the great pastors, the great evangelists that do all these things. And we tend to overlook the everyday heroes, the people that lead them to Christ, the, the, the real Christians that are in the trenches every day trying to bring people to Jesus. These are the hidden heroes of the Bible. And so we're going to start a sermon series today. Are you excited? All right, you're on the edge of your seat. It's called Hidden Heroes of the Bible. And we have a little graphic. I don't, we probably don't even have it there, but that's okay. But um, Josiah made us a, a graphic. How amazing. Hidden Heroes of the Bible. So we're going to start a sermon series talking about these men and women of God in the scriptures that were used mightily by God but are overlooked by the church because they're hidden. And today we're going to look at one of my favorite hidden heroes. St. Ananias of Damascus. You all know him? No, you're about to. Get ready. Ananias of Damascus. So let's pray together and then jump into the word. Father, we thank you for Ananias' faithfulness in what may have looked like a very small act of obedience, but Lord, it led to the conversion of nations. It led to the Mediterranean coming to Christ. Thank you for Ananias, and we pray that today you will speak to our hearts as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm excited to get into Acts chapter 9. We're going to read about Ananias. If you want to follow along, you can go to verse 10. I'm going to put the scriptures on the screen as well so you guys can see it and read along, but if you want to open, you can. Let me give you a little background real quick before we get in because there's a huge backstory. I'm going to make it brief. The church is expanding. It, Jesus has just been raised from the dead a, few, a couple decades earlier. The church is expanding. Many people are being converted to Christ. And there's a lot of people that are angry. They're not happy about this. And one in particular is named Saul. Saul of Tarsus was a religious leader in Jerusalem. He was a religious Jewish leader. And Saul was hunting down Christians. Have you ever felt like you're kind of in a persecuted group as a Christian in the Western world today? You're probably too scared to even raise your hand. Case in point, uh, you're, 
it's not the first time that people have been persecuted for being Christians. Saul was literally taking people, dragging them to prison for being a follower of Jesus. There was a man that was living around Paul, but Paul didn't, well, his name was Saul at this time. Saul didn't know him. His name was Ananias. Ananias had been converted to Jesus. He was a disciple of the Lord. And the Lord asked Ananias to do something crazy. And we're going to read about what, what God asked Ananias to do and what this hidden hero did and how God used this hidden hero. All right, are you ready? Let's look at this passage. Verse 10, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. How was that imitation? And he said, here I am, Lord. It's a good response when the Lord calls your name. So the Lord said to him, arise, go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered. I want you to listen to this closely, okay? Verse 13 is very important. Ananias said, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said to him, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, he has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when, they, when he had received food, he was strengthened, and then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus, Immediately, he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Let's stop there. Everybody knows about Paul, right? He wrote the majority of the New Testament. Everyone knows St. Paul. People go to Rome to go to St. Paul's Cathedral to see his remains. They talk about Paul. But all too often, we don't talk about the hidden hero, Ananias. Ananias was that man that took a risk for God and laid his hands on this persecutor of the church and obeyed the Holy Spirit and led to this man, Paul, being filled with the Spirit and baptized, and he began to preach, and the Mediterranean was never the same. This man, Paul, took the gospel to millions and millions. Now, I want to look at a few things in this passage. There's a few lessons for you as a U of M student or as an alumni that you can take away, um, lessons from Ananias, the hidden hero. Let's look at these. When I look at this passage, the first thing I think about as an everyday disciple is that Ananias must have been a man of prayer. And why do I think he was a man of prayer? Because he saw a vision from the Lord. 
visions don't always come through prayer. God can certainly show us a vision anytime he, he wants to. But the people I know that see visions from the Lord and have supernatural encounters with Jesus, they tend to be men and women of prayer. And so the first thing we can learn from Ananias is we need to be people of prayer, talking to Jesus, being in his presence, people of prayer like Ananias. One of my favorite quotes about prayer comes from Mother Teresa. And I, there was an interview, and this person was asking her about prayer and, you know, looked at her and said, wow, you're doing all these things. You must pray all the time. How, how much do you pray? What, what's your prayer life like? And Mother Teresa said, oh, I rarely pray more than five minutes at a time. And, and the person was stunned and looked at her and, you know, because was thinking, well, you must pray all day and all night. And she said, no, I rarely pray more than five minutes. Um, but she said, I rarely go more than five minutes without praying. And that's a life of prayer. You're constantly in communion with God. You're always talking with him. You're listening. And we learned that Ananias was a man of prayer, and he listened. And we know that because he heard the voice of God. He, he saw Jesus in a vision talking to him. In H2O, we believe that students can have visions from God. Would have been a really amazing time to be excited, but hey, it's early. <laughs> we believe that students can have visions from God. You can hear from God. And you might hear me say that and say, that seems impossible. It's possible to those who believe, to those that pray, to those that seek the face of God, to make him your number one pursuit in prayer. Those are the people that will have encounters with Jesus. They cry out to him from the depths. Ananias was a man of prayer. Number two, the second thing I see in this passage about Ananias that you as a young person can apply is that Ananias was a man of obedience. He obeyed the Lord. How do we know that? Because God asked him to do a hard thing, and, and I'm sure God's asked you to do hard things at times, right? I know he's asked me to do hard things. Usually when, you know, Tammy and I have been doing campus ministry for 30 years. Can you believe that? 30 years. I told you I got messed up playing ultimate Frisbee. I mean, I still was the star. But scored three touchdowns or whatever you call them. Um, no, I just can't walk now. But uh, um, we've been doing this for 30 years. And um, I've talked to students so often that would say, I think God's asking me to do something, but I don't know if it's the Lord. You know how you can usually tell if it's the Lord? Usually when the Lord asks you to do something, it's invariably bitter and not sweet. God asks obedience very often. It's a cross. And when a student comes up to me and they say, the Lord is asking me to do something and it's really, really hard, I just say, it's probably the Lord, <laughs> you know. Um, the other most frequent thing the Lord tells or students tell me the Lord is speaking to them is who they're going to marry. Heard that many times. The Lord told me I'm going to marry her. Okay, sure. Uh, we'll see if that works out, buddy. Um, yeah. He's like, I want to obey that one. I bet you do. So Ananias was asked to do a bitter thing, a hard thing. He was asked to go confront Saul of Tarsus. 
one of the most famous men in his generation that was persecuting and authorizing the murder of Christians. When the first martyr of the church, St. Stephen, was stoned, Paul was there authorizing it. Ananias knew this, right? So the Lord asked him to do it. It was hard, but did you see what he did? He obeyed anyway. He went and he obeyed. And this hidden hero, through his obedience, it led to the conversion of Paul. Well, the third thing I see, so a man of prayer, a man of obedience, and the third thing I see is that he was a man of faith. Um, and we'll look at that in the scriptures. He had faith. And what, what do I mean by that? There's a transformation. If you look at verse 13 and 14, it's very interesting. 13 and 14 is, Paul, or is Saul saying, uh, Lord, I don't think so. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way when you, you think God's asking you to do something hard? Um, Father, this, I hope this is not you. It's probably the devil. Uh, no, it can't be you. Ananias is like, wow, Lord, this is tough. But he was transformed. Why was he transformed? He was transformed through the word of the Lord. Did you see in verse 15 what happens? The Lord speaks to him and says, no, you need to go because this man is a chosen instrument of mine. He's going to proclaim me. He's going to bear my name before Gentiles and kings, and I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. The word of the Lord, that created faith. The word of the Lord sparked faith within the heart of Ananias, and Ananias went. And so when God calls you as a young person to an act of obedience and it's hard, you're not going to be able to do that if you don't know the word, the word of God, right? See, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God, right? If you, if you don't get the word in you, if you don't meditate on the Holy Scriptures, you can't live a life of obedience like a hidden hero that you really are. I had a conversation with my son, Matthew, and uh, I won't talk about the, all the details, but it was a great. We were just talking about the Lord, and sometimes we do that. Um, I mean, usually we talk about working out, and that's fine too. It's fun. And my analogy ties into working out because we're talking about Jesus, and then we're just talking about his growth in the Lord. And, and, and you said to me, um, I do better when I'm in the word more. I do better when I'm in the word more. And what I talked about with you, and, and I can share it with all of you guys here, is, see, the word is what strengthens your faith. It would, if, if you're not in the word and you expect to be this hidden hero for Jesus here at U of M and you're going to serve the Lord, you're going to keep the faith and, and reach people for Christ, but you're not in the word, it's going to be really tough. It's kind of like you go to the gym with us and you're like, okay, I want to learn barbell squat. And so we're going to put on 400 pounds. And you've never squatted you go to the gym and fart around, right? You're not, it's going to expose your weakness. It's going to, you're going to fall right down. It's, you'll be a pancake, right? So you, how can you do it? The daily discipline of practice and practice and 
putting more weight on the bar and more weight on the bar and getting stronger and getting stronger. And then your weaknesses are exposed. And then you realize, oh, I got a weakness here. And you, you, you compensate and you learn to strengthen it, right? And then after months and years and years, you put that 400 pounds on and you go down and you squat and everybody cheers. Yay! But you can't do that if you skip all the preparation. And young people, you can't be a hidden hero if you don't get the word of God in you. It will, it will crush you. I've seen so many, like I said, we've been doing this for 30 years. We've seen Christians come here. Sorry to pick on you, Hannah. And you're going to do great. But, and I know you and I know your family. But I've seen so many people come in your age, right? And they're Christians and they are not in the word. And U of M crushes them. It crushes them. It's like them trying to squat 400 pounds. And they can only do 135. Well, then that's fine. Do 135, but don't try to do 400. You can eventually, but you've got to be in the word. And if you don't, it's going to crush you. So Ananias was a man of faith, but his faith came from where? How did he get faith? Hearing the word. Hearing the word of the Lord. And he said, well, Lord, if you said it, I believe it. I'm going to do it. And he did it. Well, let's move on to my next point. And my next point is this. I want you to think just for a moment about your story. Think about your faith in Jesus, okay? Some of you, maybe some of you in here do not um, know Jesus yet, and you're coming close to him. You're trying to understand who he is. Some of you in here are already Christian. I bet if you think about your story, you're going to realize there's been some Ananiases in your life. Did you have an Ananias? Did you have someone? Maybe a mom? A dad, maybe a, a friend in high school that brought you to youth group. Maybe it was a teacher that was different than the others and had faith in Jesus. Maybe it was a Christian coach in sports. Right? Did you have an Ananias? I bet you did. I bet you had a few Ananiases in your life that brought you to this place because these are the hidden heroes. And as I said, Tammy and I have been doing this for around 30 years. And... Uh, and we're blessed, and, and we are honored to be able to do this. Uh, but it would not be possible if not for my Ananias. You see, I had an Ananias in my life back in the 1980s. And I'm going to tell you about my Ananias. Are you ready? This amazing young man. It was 1986. I went into McDonald's with my friends drunk on a Friday night. I was not a Christian, just so you know. Um, and I needed some money, so I asked for a job, and they gave me an uh, application. It was basically the um, tray liner. In McDonald's, you go, you get your tray, you know, you double cheeseburger, and you flip it over, you fill it out, give it to them. That's what I did. I flipped it over. I was joking with the manager, hey, you guys hiring, I need some money. I was kind of loud. And um, she said, yeah, we actually are, you know, flip it over, fill it out. Uh, it said, friends, fun, and flexible hours. I said, this is great. Let's go. That's what I need, friends, fun, and flexible hours. And I need some money. So I filled it out. I got a job at McDonald's, 1986. It was about $2, I think, for a whole meal. Amazing. Crazy, isn't it? I got paid $3.35 an hour. But Big Macs didn't cost $15, you know, like today. <laughs> Um, so I start working at McDonald's, and uh, I'm open to Jesus, like U of M students around you. 
nobody on the outside would have thought that about me because I partied. Um, I didn't live a, a Christian life. I wasn't a Christian. I'd never been baptized. I, no one was discipling me. Um, but I had a hunger for truth, just like students here do. I wanted to know my purpose in life. I didn't talk about it and think about it all day. You know what I mean? Usually I thought about girls, friends, beer. You know, I'm pretty typical, right? You can admit that's what guys think about. But deep down, there was another part of me that wanted to know truth. I really did want to know. So I go to McDonald's, and the Lord places me next to Ananias. Now, his name was John Marucci, but he's my Ananias. And John Marucci was a little older than me. He might have been 20. Uh, I was 16. But, man, he would talk about Jesus all the time. And he just was anointed by God. And he would talk to me about the Lord, and I would ask him questions about Jesus. And I would bring um, my skeptical questions, and I really thought I was going to stump him. Uh, you probably never met anybody here at U of M like that. I uh, really thought, you know, I really thought, I'm going to get him here. This is it, you know. I, and I asked some stupid questions. I, and he was so patient with me. He would, he would just talk about Jesus, and, and I would say, okay, well, if I become a Christian, can I still smoke pot? That's what we called it back then. I don't know what you guys call it now, weed or something. We called it pot. Can you still smoke pot? And this is... Honest to God, I remember the conversation. It so impacted me, and it was such a Holy Spirit moment with my Ananias because he looked at me and he said, I, I guess you could still physically do that, but when you meet Jesus, you won't need pot anymore. Trust me, I met Jesus, and I don't drink anymore. He's, he's my everything. And I, I thought, wow, that's a good answer. That's a good one. I want this, but I don't know what you're saying. And so he would always say to me, um, you know, we'd have these long conversations, and then he would always say, read the red. And I said, what is the red? And he said, well, in a Bible, you know, in a Bible, the words of Jesus Christ in the New Testament are in red ink. This is pre-cell phones, pre-computers. We didn't have that stuff. I mean, we had them, but it was just the nerds that used them. So basically like U of M students. So... I wasn't very smart. And so I, I, so we read the red. I go, what? Red? He goes, the words of Jesus. Read it. He said, that's what did it for me. And, man, he was a great witness, core leaders, core members. He not only preached it, but he practiced it. He was the hardest worker at McDonald's. I remember, I still remember this day. My friends and I would be like, um, you know, when there would be a break. Sometimes you get a bus. That was the worst. The, you know, the managers would go crazy. Uh, we've got a bus. There's a bus. I want a 12-6 turn on the red grill. You know, has anybody worked at fast food before? What's it like when the buses come up? The, you know, uh, the game is over. We've got a softball team. I mean, it was nuts. You know, you're flipping them and stuff like that. I'm not kidding. It was crazy, man. So we're flipping. And then it was like chaos. And John is there. He's doing quarter pounders. I'm doing the reg the cheeseburgers. And then it would inevitably, after half an hour, hour, it would calm down. And when it calmed down, me and my buddies were trying to, we're like, get some nuggets. Go steal some nuggets. And we'd go in the walk-in freezer to pop in some nuggets that we'd steal because we are high. We had the munchies. So I'd go in the, go in the freezer. Well, then I would come out and be like stuffing my mouth with the chicken nuggets. Yeah. And here's John Marucci. I'm not kidding. He's like this. He's down here. He 
he's, he's literally detailed cleaning around the buttons on the grill. He's sweeping, mopping. The guy just worked hard for three bucks an hour. And um, I tell you that story because this is a long time ago for me. I was 16. I still remember seeing him do that, my Ananias, and thinking, well, that makes sense. He's a Christian. See that I and I don't know where I get this. I had this idea, but I thought because he claims to be a Christian, he's going to be an honest man, and then that's true. He should be, and he was, and he worked hard, and he was the the kindest man there. And the people would I remember my buddies there would make fun of him all the time, talk behind his back. Oh, John is a religious freak, and and he would never, um, re, uh, what's the word? Um, retaliate. He was just kind. He would pray for them. I'll pray for you, brother. You know, they hated to hear that. I'll pray for you. Took me over to his apartment, made me pasta and meatballs. He knew how to get to my heart. I talked about Jesus. I mean, he just, wit my Ananias witnessed to me. Now, um, let me tell you, let me conclude this story. It's 1988. John Marucci has left McDonald's. He got a raise. He went to Rack's Roast Beef. So they were paying five bucks or something. So he was a head meat cutter at Racks. And I was stuck in the grill. Um, still trying to know what is true, you know, just like the students here around you, all these women, all these men that you're reaching out to. I wanted to know, but I was so caught up in, in the darkness. I, I just, it was like the snares of death were around me, and I wanted to know truth, but I was so caught up in sin. We would break the law all the time. We'd do terrible things. Finally, it caught up with me. I graduate from high school, 18 years old. I Finally, we get caught. This was the worst thing we had done, and I got caught, and I'm facing a felony. I, I woke up one day with a call from the police department realizing I have a, I'm being charged with a 10-year felony, 10 years. I'm 18 years old. And um, I remember thinking to myself, this is not who I'm supposed to be. And I, I wasn't a good man, you know. I, I wasn't a great young man. I did a lot of things wrong. There's a lot of sin in me. But it wasn't, I got caught up in the moment. It was a drug-infused, alcohol-infused, violent, testosterone, demonic mix. That's a bad combo, isn't it? It's all over campus, you guys. You put those in a bottle and shake it up with hurt and anger. It's not pretty. And it exploded. And I'm facing a felony. And uh, in that moment of fear and uncertainty, I remembered my Ananias. And he told me to read the red. You remember that? Well, we didn't have a Bible. So I went to my mom and I said, Mom, can you buy me a Bible? And my mom and dad didn't go to church regularly, but they did have a heart for God. And they would tell me about Jesus if I asked. And certainly when I asked for a Bible, my mom was going to buy me one and None of you know my mom, but if you knew my mom, you would understand that what I'm about to say is true. I asked her for a Bible. In 15 minutes, she came, and she says, here you go, and she slammed it down. She went to the Bible bookstore, got it, and came right home and gave it to me. And um, that's just my mom. She's intense. She's 85 now. She's, she's built different. She's got, like, barbarian blood. She, so my mom never goes to the doctor. She she gave birth to my sister in 1972, and she's never went to the doctors once. She smokes, like, two packs a day, drank alcohol every day. 
um, never exercised and doesn't eat healthy. And she just, we talked to her two days ago. She goes, just got my blood work. She goes to the doctor now. She goes, perfect, perfect. I don't know. They said it's perfect. This is a true story. She goes, my blood work's perfect. I said, you're just an Irish barbarian. You're a descendant of, so you ever seen Braveheart? Those are her fathers. It's like, she's big. It's just like, I don't know. It's perfect blood work. I'm like, all right. I don't recommend her choices. Of, that's not the healthy style, okay? I'm just saying what it is, okay? And she's very intense, and she still goes every day. She never stops. She told me the other day, she goes, I never nap. I've never napped. Never. I go, really? She goes, never. I'm like, okay. She goes, I go to bed. I wake up, and I just go. I nap, and I'm 53. I look forward to my naps. So um, my mom is intense. She's, she's probably not up there with Grandma Payne. Now, that woman, she's probably Irish. Was she? She was, I see, it's the Braveheart women. They're tough, man. She had like 19 children. Yeah, 19 children. Yeah, lived to be 96. It's like, probably didn't go to the doctors much. Probably, you never remember her going, why do we need to? Or 19. So my mom is crazy. She runs the Bible bookstore, comes home, gives me a Bible. Um, the, I wanted to bring this for you today because this is the Bible she bought me. This is the Bible she, she bought me. And, uh, and so let me say this, too, before I tell you what happened. Um, there's a piece of paper in it because uh, my Ananias gave me this. Let me, I don't want to rip it. That would be tragic. This is an old piece of paper. So see this old raggedy piece of paper here? It says, John Marucci, 327-7396. Church on the Rock, 10 a.m. Sundays, 7 p.m. Wednesday, West Main Mall. So he was witnessing to me. In 1986, he gave me this and gave me his phone number. And this will become important in just a second when I tell you the close of my Ananias story. But he told me to read the Bible. My mom buys me this. Um, I opened up to Matthew. I didn't know anything about the scriptures. I knew there was an Old and New Testament. And I opened to Matthew, and it was like a lot of red. It was a good spot to go, right? So I start reading in Matthew chapter 1, 2, 3, and then the red comes. And it's all the teaching of our Lord in chapter 4 and 5 and 6. And I don't even know if I made it to chapter 5 or chapter 6, but the words of Jesus just hit me. It was like like a spiritual like punch after punch after punch on my soul, just like, yes, yes, this is it. And finally, my hard heart, it just broke. And Jesus Christ revealed himself to me. The way he revealed himself to Saul, the way that he revealed himself to Ananias, the way he revealed himself to you, he revealed himself to me in that moment, laying on my bed, facing a 10-year felony, Beer drinking, pot smoking, young guy, Jesus broke my heart. And I just began to weep. And I cried and cried because I had met him. And I knew this is the one I was looking for. It's not relationships. It's not sex. It's not alcohol. It's him. He's the truth. It was like my life was a mystery up to that point. I was grappling in the darkness, trying to find my meaning. I, didn't, I felt like... Something in life kind of felt like my right hip right now, like out of alignment. You know, like, you know, you can't forget about it. After I played ultimate with you guys, my hip, anyway, it's just being older. You young guys are different, man. You're built different. Oh, I remember those days. But 
I can't stop thinking about it, you know? And that's how it was throughout my life. You know, sometimes I would forget for a couple days, but it would go back. What is true? Who is God? What's my purpose? And I couldn't, something was out of alignment. And that night, everything came into alignment. It was like snap back, like the heavenly chiropractor. Wow, this is how you're supposed to feel. And I saw Jesus in that moment. And I began to witness to everything that moved and tell everybody about Christ. And my friends thought I was crazy. And they still do. But they love me. Uh, Still working on those high school guys. Pray for them. You've got friends like that too, I bet, don't you? Friends that you want to know the Lord that think you're crazy. Um, Just keep, keep it up. So that's, he's my Ananias. Tammy and I have now preached the gospel across this country. We work with college students for 30 years. We've seen so many of you guys raised up in the marketplace It's great to see some alumni with us today, and you're going in the marketplace. We've had missionaries raised up, and I'm not sharing this to, like, toot my horn at all, because if you know me, that's not me. It's not what gives me value. Jesus gives me value. But what I want to tell you is that would not have happened without Ananias. And so John Marucci shares in that fruit. And as a matter of fact, in probably 1994, I felt like... uh, I was praying. Remember, Ananias was a man of prayer. I encourage you to be a a disciple of prayer. And I had this overwhelming sense from the Holy Spirit that John Marucci was discouraged, that his ministry wasn't effective. See, he never went into ministry like me. He worked at um, McDonald's, then he went to Rack's Roast Beef, and then he got a job as a banker, and he did really good, made a lot of money, and he's very successful. God blessed him as in the bank. And he witnessed for Jesus, I'm sure, in the bank. But I had this sense that he feels like I'm not effective. And I thought I need to call him. So Tammy and I were at my parents with Val, member of the barbarian offspring. And she doesn't, well, she does throw some things away. I was going to say she doesn't throw things away. She does. She's throwing things away that shouldn't have been. Some of my Star Wars things are gone. But, but this was still there. It was in my room where I grew up, okay? I found it. I called his number. And I, I wanted to talk to John, and I dial 327-7396, and I hear, you know, beep. The number you have called has been disconnected. You guys won't even understand this, but that's what used to happen in the old school. Did you remember that as a kid? Or Okay. And then every once in a while, you get lucky, and it would say, it would be a recording. The new number is 383-4788. Oh, write it down. So I called the new number. I think that's how it happened, either that or the phone book, but I found it one way or the other, and I wrote it here. I called John. I'm waiting. Hello? I go, yeah, is this John Marucci? Yeah, this is John. John, this is Nino. I used to work with you at McDonald's back in 1986. Do you remember me? You probably don't. He goes, oh, I remember you, Nino. And now he doesn't know anything that happened to me. He just knows I was the beer-drinking, pot-smoking, you know, law-breaking kid that talked to him about Jesus and stole McNuggets in the walk-in freezer among other things. And, uh, and he goes, yeah, I remember you. Yeah. And I said, well, I just want to tell you that, remember you used to talk to me about Jesus? He goes, yeah. And I said, I want to call you to say thank you because I'm a Christian now. I'm saved. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm a preacher. And he just was silent. And then he goes, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. That's all he could say. He repeated it over and over. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. And, uh, and so I just thanked him for what he did and told him, hey, I want you to be encouraged. Um, 
you know, I was praying for you and sensing that maybe you felt like you're, what you do for the Lord isn't effective. I want you to know I'm fruit of your ministry. And everybody I've touched for Christ, all the students, everything we've done, it wouldn't happen without you. See, he's my Ananias. And so, man, this is going longer than usual. But when you tell stories, it's okay because they're good stories, right? Well, I'm about done with the story, so get ready for the boring part. Here's the next part of the sermon. We're going to land this. Um, so that's my Ananias. You have an Ananias. And here we are, welcome week, number 30. Can you believe it? Why in the world would Tammy and I spend 30 years of our life putting up with you guys? I'm kidding, just kidding. Because I don't believe there's anything greater in my life I could do than to invest in U of M students. I love this place, and it's very powerful. It's very strategic. You, I want to be an Ananias to U of M. I want you guys to be Ananiases to your core groups. Um, let me show you this um, next slide. Um, you guys all know that's the reading room. New students might not know that's the law school reading room. I used to go there as a student. It made me feel smart. I wasn't particularly smart, but I, I hustle and I outwork everybody, and that's how I beat people. So if you're not the smartest here and you know how to hustle, you're going to do great, right? Okay. If you're smart and you don't know how to hustle, then good luck with that. Um, it won't work for you. So I used to go there. made me feel smart. But the, I want you to, to think about this quote I put up there for you. The philosophy of the university classroom today will become the philosophy of government tomorrow. So you might not know this, but you're in the most strategic mission field ever. Like you can, through your core groups, you are reaching people that will shape the philosophy of government. And I think you understand that, right? You see culture, and maybe you've never thought of this, but where we are as a, as a government, as a culture, is because of the university. The university forms the minds of your classmates, right? And then they, 20, 30 years later, they become old like me, and they run things. And that becomes the culture. So we have an opportunity to change the world, to be Ananias here to be an Ananias. Look at the next slide. If you change the university, you change the world. If you reach the university, you reach the world. Pastor Chris has probably shared that a few times at churches. Um, when we travel around this state and we talk to churches about you guys, we tell them this because it's true. We believe it. And um, I am excited for what God's going to do through you this year in your, in your small groups. You're going to be an Ananias. And you have no idea. You might have future Billy Grahams. And even if you don't, you have future moms that, that will shape culture more than anything else by shaping the minds of their children. You have future dads. You have future engineers. right? You have future politicians. God knows we need some godly politicians. Amen? Chester, G.K. Chesterton. I always have to give a quote. Um, Pastor Chris will always do C.S. Lewis, G.K. Chesterton loved local politics. He said, I believe politics should always be local as much as possible. And that way you can always kick the politicians. That was his philosophy of politics. Keep it as local as possible. That's a free one from Chesterton. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at Chesterton. But if you, I would say this, this is the Nino quote. If you want to reach the politicians, reach the students in your um, dorm. Reach the students in your classroom. You're going to reach the future politicians, and you're going to be Ananias. You don't need to be the showy guy. 
And one thing I love about this Ananias message is anybody can do it, right? Do you, do you feel you can do it? You just obey, pray, obey, and have faith. It, anybody can do it. You don't have to go jump in the diag and preach to thousands. Just find somebody next to you. So let me close uh, and then pray for you. We're going to have the band. The band could come on up. We're going to close here. Um, and as the band is coming, I want to ask you my final question. You can put it on the screen. Who will you be Ananias for? Uh, core leaders, you're already thinking about students that you've met. Will you join me in praying for these students? Who's gonna, who are you going to be Ananias for? Who is that young woman? Who's that young man that you will minister to as Ananias did to Paul? Um, new students, who is that person in your dorm? Who is that woman down the hall? Who's that, that guy in your classroom? Who's going to be your Paul? You're going to be Ananias, and you're, going to, and you're going to stand in the gap for that person. Who is it? So as we go into worship, would you think about that? Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Lord, who am I to be Ananias for? Just like John Marucci was for me, like Ananias was for Paul. Amen. Well, you guys look like you're ready. They're always ready. Can we stand together? Hey, thanks for being here, you guys. Looking forward to this week. Uh, make sure to check out our core groups. God bless.